0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and a psychologist Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes.
1: We're professors, Hannah. Professors.
0: You now we can't keep bankrolling your groovy lifestyle.
1: Okay. I can have a brain. You're a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Just a very bad
0: wizard. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, when was the last time you were morally persuaded about anything?
2: I'm Dave Pizarro from Cornell University. And i I think, to be honest, it has to be when I was finally convinced that masturbation was not wrong. Um <laughs>
0: But, you know that, that must have a been lot. that must have been pretty. Easy. You know, it's funny because normally persuasion, you think of other people <laughs> being involved.
2: I realize, you, you know, I, I could either continue to maintain my beliefs or just and, and live in guilt, or just give up the guilt. You know, and just, and just change my
0: mind. Did you really ever have guilt?
2: Uh, yeah, man, I, be t- I told you I was raised in a very, very religious upbringing, although I don't remember anybody ever telling me explicitly, like, you shouldn't do that. It just Did you just, were you just like a, like a guilt-free sort of... Uh,
0: I was a guilt-free masturbator from like the <laughs> from time, time, time I was like here. six, six years old, seven years old. <laughs> By the way, that's our new opening. I don't know if it's going to last, but where one of us asks the other person a question and I just... Uh, I, I was feeling bad because it was stolen from Pardon the Interruption, the ESPN show with Tony Korenheiser and Michael Wilbon. Dave just said, let's just acknowledge it. You know, let's it's like just exciting. acknowledge it. We stole it. I mean, honestly,
2: yeah. in a Venn diagram of people who listen to Very Bad Wizards and people who listen to Pardon the Interruption, it has to be pretty small. I hope that's not true. <laughs> Maybe not because I don't even like sports and I watch Pardon the Interruption because I like to see and, it and argue. Um, <laughs> So argue. T- so today... Uh, obviously that question is, is a hint at the, the episode isn't going to be entirely about <laughs> masturbation, but it will be about moral persuasion. Uh, so we've been, we've been thinking about doing an episode on moral persuasion for quite some time. Um, yeah. but we just got and an I- email that,
0: that sort of puts it nicely. Well there was a there was two emails. One earlier on and it was more like how do you just convince somebody of anything with reason? But this one was more specific to moral persuasion. Here's the here's the emails from Trent Deschamps. Des- uh, well, it's des champs in French, or des champs, or I don't, I don't fucking know. I, and this is just an excerpt from it. Although I have many interests within psych and philosophy, a recurring problem I grapple with is what seems to be a wide gap between reasons and motives. For example, I occasionally, and more often when I'm drinking, get preachy about such things as, quote, 25,000 children die every day of preventable poverty-related causes, and this ought to be reason enough to accept the moral responsibility that comes with such a tragic figure. Or some other singer-type argument about, you know, you could give whatever you're spending on non-necessities, you could save literally hundreds of lives. Right, like do you really need HBO? Like, maybe you just, yeah. The problem is, he says, and this is a problem I think, Every one of us can relate to to one degree or another. The problem is that I keep drinking beer with the person who is kind enough to put up with my barstool rant. And despite fully accepting the simple argument, the singer argument, I, we, don't do jack shit to change our lifestyles. Uh, so that's, that's the email and that really says very well what the topic of our show today what's the role of, of of a good argument how effective is that in actually getting us to change our minds and more importantly i would argue change our behavior
2: i mean i think this is this has been a, a question sort of central to that resurgence of of moral the study of morality and psychology which is the whole the whole question of of reason and emotion um, but it, here we're talking about it in a very specific setting which is in in persuasion and so so uh, I, I sort of outlined uh, a couple of the views that we'll – get, we'll get right to the nitty-gritty. Um, so there are some – I don't know of any studies that have actually systematically asked people or measured people longitudinally. But one view might be that people actually never really change their moral views. And it, it, I feel this when you – like when you ask me, it actually takes me some effort to think of any moral opinion that I've changed that wasn't somehow linked to, to religious beliefs that I, that I discarded. Right, and so for a but godless, that is
0: one way. Right, it is one way for right. for a moral belief to change if they depend it if they depend centrally on an issue or a belief about the world that you then lose that belief. Right. So if you were against gay marriage solely because you're a Seventh Day Adventist, right. if you and otherwise you know not at all, then once you lose the commitment to your religious beliefs. It does seem plausible that at least it would undermine, to a significant extent, your opposition. Right. To- you
2: could imagine some, some things that like are so entrenched that you make up other reasons for, for believing them. Um,
0: but, but yeah, and I
2: imagine the same thing happens if, if you – I can't think of an easy example, but if you have a moral belief that crucially depends on facts – that That you then find out are wrong, so you can imagine if someone believes in if you believe in capital punishment only because of the strong deterrent effect and you actually then get facts that there is no rule for deterrence, then you might be convinced, although I,
0: I think that happens well that here. could go like, one of two ways, right? It could go that you you can either be convinced if you really were for capital punishment for its deterrent effect, which I doubt. Very many people are. Right. You could either change your belief because it's not an effective deterrent or you could realize, okay, that's not really why I was right. for capital punishment. I want right. those fuckers to die. And that's the worry, right? That's why yeah. I think people get frustrated trying to reason somebody out of a moral conviction is it just seems like there's nothing you can do. You can give them all the good reasons you want. They will find a reason to – retain their moral conviction, whatever it is. And I think we've talked about this, but any time you teach Singer, you see this phenomenon just it, – it just explodes within the classroom, right? It's amazing because
2: Cause there's a case in which reason uh, – he makes some powerful rationals, very simple ra- – I mean anybody can understand these arguments and they're persuasive and they're convincing. And so, yeah, I think we have talked about this. But man, do you get a backlash. <laughs> you get- This like extraordinary resistance to either convincing themselves,
0: or they just get convinced, but they just admit that they're. There's two. I think it's like a couple of stages. So you teach singer. He he gives this very simple, clear, and compelling argument, And, and it basically boils down to: Look, if you can save another person's life without sacrificing anything of significant moral importance then you ought to do it. If you just go with him on that principle, right, the whole argument is, you know, not his strong conclusion, but certainly a conclusion that would entail radical changes to your life. In other words, I, don't, I, I have the NFL Sunday ticket package so I can watch all the, all the football games. I enjoy it, um, and I love the NFL, and I've been watching it all my life. I could not honestly say that, that it has any kind of moral importance. Now, the amount right. of money I spend on that, it costs like three hundred dollars. Right. Uh, could like
2: pure hedonic value for you? It's like
0: it's pure hedonic. Like it just has nothing to do with morality. So I I, I cut that out, and I you know according to some reliable figures, I could save a child's life uh one every year like a whole right. a child that's going to die will now live
2: because right. in your experience stage 1 the like rejection that that's true so like oh charities take yes. all this money like it's bullshit like they have so much overhead you don't know where your money's going
0: like it, it and uh no yeah stage 1 i mean it's, it's it's that's a big part of stage 1 it's essentially coming up with all these reasons why it's not. Tr- it's not true that you can save a life right. for two or three hundred dollars. Uh, they'll. They'll give you the teach a man to fish, he'll fish for a lifetime. But if you're if you're just throwing money at the problem, that's not going right. to do anything. You know, right? That's exactly. Just, exactly. <laughs> they come up with every corrupt charity that's ever existed, and then you know you point out, yeah, but now there are you know the internet has been great for this. There are right. really good watchdog organizations that can deal with that problem. And then they'll come up with something else. So that's stage one. Come up with any kind of rebuttal to just the empirical reality. Right. And you can't but in the end you can't fight with empirical reality. Yeah, exactly. I
2: mean there are just it's just a matter of fact that there are people dying and there are ways to help them out. And like whether we could be helping them. (laughs) And we could be helping them. Like at the very least, like at the very least you could just go help them <laughs> like if you don't if you don't trust these charities but you know Peter Singer's done a good job of like pointing out like Oxfam and you know whatever these, these 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 like charities that are reliable so so convince them of that so what's stage
0: two Stage 2 is there's some more more it becomes a more moral objection to it something like I've earned my money they haven't I'm right. I you know they become little temporary Hardcore libertarians, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and of course, it's not even real libertarians because real libertarians m- might feel obligated. They just don't feel like you should force other people to give the money, right. uh, give right. them money. But we're, no, but that's not the that's not the conclusion of the argument. The conclusion of the argument is this is what you ought to do. Right. Uh, you know, it becomes of huge moral importance that they earn the money. Now, of course, they didn't earn the money in a lot of these cases and especially if you do this at a, a at a wealthier institution their parents earn the money so they'll come they'll you know they'll try to come up with something else That's stage two is the sort of moral objection stage three is i agree and i think this is the stage we're all in <laughs> i agree <laughs> yeah. but for some reason as the emailer pointed out i, just, I, I you know I'll, I'll give you. I, give a little more but- no, I know. I would insert into
2: into uh, stage two with the moral arguments. You get a bunch of psychological arguments, and and there there's something like, well, like I don't see those African kids dying every day, and and I they they always just miss the fact that well that, that's fine, right? But that's that's just a, an explanation for why why you're not like moved right now right and that's so fine say, like,
0: until now
2: yeah like, until now like okay uh, like i'm like okay you. here's a picture of a starving average. <laughs> <applicant. laughs> right now now is that okay like, <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: i actually think that that you can make that into an interesting objection to singer's analogy of the, the child in the pond
2: so singer's analogy yeah. is you're walking by a pond the kid is drowning you're wearing a very very expensive suit Everybody has the intuition that like you would ruin your suit to save the drowning kid in the pond.
0: Right. Um, And then the question is, why isn't that situation just confronting us every day? Because for the money we paid for a suit, we could be saving a child's life just like that child who's drowning. And I think the way that can be an interesting objection is if you say the reason that triggers our intuition in the pond case is precisely because there aren't kids drowning in ponds every second of the day around us if there were then maybe we wouldn't keep diving in all the time or we wouldn't feel as it wouldn't seem as obvious if there was just you know i mean it's it's hard to even imagine what that what that would be like
2: right And and that points to something interesting about the i mean I always thought of that as a psychological argument, but you can, I think, flip it into at least an explanation for the intuitions, like why the intuitions just don't, they aren't analogous. But it, it points, like there's this interesting research. I mean, one of the things about the drowning kid case is that, is that we have this sense of agency that we can, in fact, prevent this. And, um, and we're the only ones who can prevent it. And there is something, there is this, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday who works for a charity, and we were talking about the sorts of things that you have to get get through to people before they're willing to donate large amounts of money to charities. And one of them is this like sense of agency, this drop in the bucket effect. Like when I donate money to Africa, like maybe maybe like two cents of the dollar is going to this, maybe five cents is going to that. And there are these really interesting studies in in psychology where you if you show people a picture of a group of kids and ask them to donate money, that's not nearly as effective as showing them a picture of one kid. And this is
0: what Paul was saying. Right. One is greater than many. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You know, the Sally Struthers effect of the, you know, the, (laughs) the, you know, foster a child. You actually have a child. That was such a brilliant strategy. It really was. I don't know if it's so brilliant to choose Sally Struthers, kind of a weeping (laughs) Sally Struthers (laughs) to be your spokesperson. But later on,
2: she started like hawking, like fake professional degrees, like on TV.
0: i know no i know she became like a like a charlatan She became- <laughs> yeah like get your electrical
2: like uh electrician degree get your like whatever degree It was like yeah. we
0: should play a south park clip of- <laughs> right. and now a word from our sponsor
1: here in the heart of africa children are dying not from disease or war but from hunger i'm sally struthers these children are in desperate need and only you hey, can who's that bad chick sally struthers dude she used to be on four. Oh, you see, here in the middle of Africa, food is extremely scarce.
2: Doesn't look like she's having any trouble finding food.
1: Yeah, she's fatter than carbon.
0: So yeah, I mean, uh, but I agree that that's the stage—is they forget about the distinct. There is a stage. You're absolutely right, where they forget about the descriptive normative distinction. Yeah. Right. And, they and just even though you've taught it to them, like, their
2: <laughs> yeah, even right, though like so and and it's increasingly just it increasingly is just the case that, like, we have both the power and the awareness of all of this stuff, like, through the Internet and through TV. But, you know, how we, you know, we grew up in a time where, like, the the um, <clears throat> there was a, a famine in Ethiopia and they used to just bombard us with pictures of starving African kids all the time. But all I did yeah. was change the channel.
0: I know. <laughs> That's why I mean, you know, when we get to discussing about actual moral persuasion, that's a very delicate and interesting phenomenon is how you do it. Like you said, I think one big thing was to make it about one child. One child that you follow. Then you actually feel like you're making a difference. You're not right. just putting a little sand into a bucket that a lot of other people are putting it into and then, you know, one day hopefully that sand will do something. That's right. a terrible analogy. But uh, <laughs> one of the worst is metaphors it, I've ever Is it come magical up with.
2: sand? <laughs> is it, is it
0: is So it that maybe one day somebody will build a sandcastle. <laughs> that might be a little better. I don't
2: know. This is why we win the teaching awards. Imagine a bucket of sand. <laughs>
0: um. And then I also think, you know, I. I I've noticed just in my own philanthropic enterprises that I tend to give – and I don't know how you would exploit this, but I have a a friend from University of Minnesota, Morris, who runs an orphanage in Nepal and does amazing things. There's Chris Butler and also – his wife Jennifer, and they've just started. They they just in it started this orphanage where they've uh, you know saved a lot of these kids from dying, and actually, are they're giving them really good and fulfilling lives? And so we give them. You know, again, not nearly as much as we should, given what awesome work they're doing. But part of the reason we choose them is because we know them. You know, there's a personal connection to it, not to the kids, because, you know, for there it really is. I don't know these kids. I don't see pictures of these kids, but it's through them. You know what I mean? Right. And so there's an element of trust, but it goes beyond the element of trust that, i'm not one of these people who thinks all charities are corrupt Great only word. the ones run
2: by run by rappers or tend to be corrupt <laughs> <laughs> did that happen was there yeah
0: like like uh p
2: diddy will like start a charity and then like they, they do an audit and they find that like he's paying himself half a million dollars a year from the charity like as the head of the charity <laughs> jesus he would too he would do that. <laughs> well you know so so yeah i think that having that human connection i mean that's just whatever it is it's just psychologically true right i mean that's just how we're built um, so charities would do well to capitalize off of that, All right? Like, but but let's get to stage three, because that's the most interesting one, where they just start shitting on Peter Singer,
0: <laughs> or yeah, oh, or they just, yeah. or, right. they just or they just get How convinced could I and forget? they stop. Stage three is they somehow find every controversial and uh, position that he's had and just attack him for that. Yeah. Oh, and then there's also Peter Singer doesn't give. 50 percent of his income and he saved his mom and and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that right 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 i mean b-
2: pretty much like if you're gonna be peter singer you gotta be like uh, he has to be a saint apparently or else his arguments lose all all of their force. <laughs> the thing is that they these students know better than to do this and i don't feel i'm not dissing Uh, them like this is we've all been through these stages i think
0: (laughs) yeah and the and and the bottom line is and here we join the students a hundred percent like we're a little just savvier enough to avoid some of the most common pitfalls but like the bottom line is it doesn't change your behavior enough and i think it changes your behavior somewhere between for most people not at all to a little right yeah
2: right 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 and this is, and again, not to get into the, pro- the like the whole uh, consequentialism issue, but but one of the problems really is that like you can always do more on these ethical views, and so you have to just find some point at which you're just like, okay, doing doing more than I was before is a good thing, right? But these kids are like, how do you? I remember them saying like, how do you live with the guilt knowing that you could be saving these kids from dying? You know, and it's just like that's what drugs and alcohol are for. I mean,
0: <laughs> this is a,
2: that's the, isn't that the point? <laughs>
0: numb myself you, out of my guilt. How do deal with other guilt? <laughs> <laughs> how do I deal with the guilt of like murdering a guy in cold blood for his iPod, you know? <laughs> exactly. uh, but uh, this actually leads to, and maybe we should do this after a break. No, let's just do it right now because it can be really quick. You've been taking me to task on recent episodes, just a lot of cheap shots, just like kneecap, like Tanya Harding, like <laughs> kneecap that- shots. <laughs>
2: The way that I like uh, to do it is to do it like just really quickly in the middle of another segment so that you don't have time to retort.
0: No, and like on a totally <laughs> when the when it's completely unrelated topic, yeah, you've been like, giving no. me a lot of shit about me caring a ton about animals and animal welfare but not being a vegetarian.
2: Yeah now. so the reason in my defense the reason I do this is because you so so strongly and emotionally get upset whenever the issue of like mistreating animals comes up or like dogs or whatever you know you're, you're like you're no, you're, more dogs, like, you're more persuaded you're more persuaded by like like saving uh, innocent dogs than like saving innocent african children sometimes you know it's like
0: not just african children just <laughs> children <laughs> children <Here> in general <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so when
2: whenever you say those i always think to myself but this motherfucker is, like, eating tasty hamburgers and, like, mm. licking his
0: lips. <laughs> okay, so two things. So first of all, so there's a couple parts of my worldview on this that just aren't inconsistent at all. The first is, I think, fairly uh, straightforward. Even Singer has... Sort of endorsed this to some degree. If you don't eat factory farmed food, and I never, there has not been a factory farmed meat bought in my house for the last, you know, 12 years, right? If you don't eat that and you really do pay good attention and you can now that's what's so awesome about like whole foods which has a strong commitment to this you can actually get meat and and fish that has been raised uh, under humane conditions then i actually have no problem With eating animals No moral objection Like if everybody did that And that's all Every That's the only suffering We imposed on animals Is when they die I would have Absolutely no objection To it You know I feel the same way about Yeah Hunting as long as It's not like Hunting You know Like some of the Just the worst kinds Of hunting Like when you're doing it Like as a video game Or you're (laughs) shooting uh, Wolves out of helicopters And stuff like that (laughs) Although you know Even that is no Moral component Well it just adds The you know hunting if you're gonna hunt i feel kind of feel like you should you know you should put yourself out there at least you know put a little risk it should be a little hemingway kind of like you could get (laughs) gored by a buffalo right but i but even that is so much less uh morally a problem than factory farming which is i think just honestly i think i've uh, is one of like the top three worst things we do as human beings so uh I, i i i you know that's how i feel now that said, there are, right, and
2: you could even argue, you could even argue that that uh, by dint of your appetite for meat, you're, these animals are getting a life. Like we wouldn't have that many. Like you could yeah. just be a full utilitarian about that. That's right.
0: You could All, say although, these these animals are getting to live whatever lifespan that they are getting to live only because people are willing to eat them. You would never take care of these animals if it weren't for that. Okay, so that's the that's where I'm okay, but the part where I'm not okay, although I'm. I, you know, again, these videos, like I saw a video of pigs in a factory farm and I just like I, I will occasionally deviate from this when I'm out at a restaurant because I shot
2: as, love... as I told Sean Nichols about our argument. He's like, he eats meat all the time at restaurants. I've never seen him ask if it's uh, if it's <laughs> like uh, whatever. Well, what I don't you know. If he, it,
0: yeah. I don't know if he if he would know whether i eat it all the time Uh, you know and like like we were in new orleans right and new orleans being a vegetarian you might starve to death (laughs) if you had to be there forever and be a vegetarian because they don't have vegetables like part of being a vegetarian like implies that there will be access to vegetables
2: just through like all through the south like i'm as a vegetarian myself like i drive through it and and i'm like I, i order a salad and they bring it and it has chicken and yeah. go, <laughs> you know, bacon bits, bacon bits, like. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. So,
0: so that part is, you know, like I said, I'm trying to fix it, um, and I'm, you know, right. I act, but, 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 but I'm not, I'm not consistent on that. But you know, someone could turn around and ask you, a, first of all, as you've admitted, you don't, you're not a vegetarian, really, for moral reasons. No, you I'm not a moral vegetarian. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't I mean, really I'm, give a shit about animals. You just I mean, like I'm lucked glad. into it. you lucked into this. I totally
2: lucked into it and if I really cared about animals as much. I mean, I'm I'm glad sort of in in one sense like as a utilitarian that like I I don't contribute much to the suffering of animals, but if I really were to try if I really had that that view, I think I would be forced to also not wear leather or buy leather goods
0: or what and about I, just be a vegan or you, just be a
2: vegan yeah I, so yeah that's what I was going to ask you do you, is, do you care about the cheese and the milk at, at, that you buy Like,
0: yeah I mean this is an interesting thing I, here I think I'm in common with a lot of you know, people who are either vegetarians or people who only don't buy with factory farm is like I'm a less. I, I certainly buy like the the good milk all the time and the good eggs all the I time. I like my
2: milk with hormones in it. It's just so tasty. You
0: like it with hormones from <laughs> suffering cows. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, I mean the I, I I could definitely do that, right? I could I I I you know we could be a vegan and you know I I have friends that are vegans and they're very happy. They're healthy. Yeah. And they make good things. And now my wife and daughter—they uh, don't eat meat anymore. My daughter just came back from Costa Rica. You know this, right? Did I yeah. tell you this? No. She came back from Costa Rica. Doesn't eat meat anymore. And she loved meat. She uh. ate a fucking raccoon in New <laughs> Orleans.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so basically, what you're saying is that it's weakness of the will at some point,
0: which is yeah. fair.
2: I mean, it's a yeah. fair thing to say, right? Like, you
0: know, it's a slightly different phenomenon because I feel bad. Like, I don't feel bad when I get an NFL Sunday ticket in the do. No, right, right. But do you feel
2: bad it, when you cheat on Jen? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when the Again, alcohol wears off?
0: <laughs> I feel bad when I send students texts <laughs> saying that I'm jerking off to them.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, there's no guilt. It's so sometimes – as sometimes means. they don't get they don't get the irony of it sometimes <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right you know. let's take a break <laughs> and we'll let's come back a- and talk some philosophy and psychology <laughs>
1: Now, if one were to determine what attribute the German people share with a beast. There would be the cunning and the predatory instinct of a hawk. But if one were to determine what attributes the Jews share with the beast, it would be that of the rat. The, The Führer and Goebbels' propaganda have said pretty much the same thing. But where our conclusions differ is I don't consider the comparison an insult. Consider for a moment the world a rat lives in. It's a hostile world, indeed. If a rat were to scamper through your front door right now, would you greet it with hostility? I suppose I would. Has a rat ever done anything to you to create this animosity you feel toward them? Rats spread disease to bite people. Rats were the cause of the bubonic plague, but that's some time ago. I propose to you any disease a rat could spread, a squirrel could equally carry... Would you agree? Why? Yet I assume you don't share the same animosity with squirrels that you do with rats, do you? No. Yet they're both rodents, are they not? And except for the tail, they even rather look alike, don't they? It's an interesting thought, Herr However interesting as the thought may be, it makes not one bit of difference to how you feel. If a rat were to walk in here right now as I'm talking, would you greet it with a source of your delicious milk? Probably not. Hmm. I didn't think so. You don't like them. You don't really know why you don't like them. All you know is you find them repulsive.
0: Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. Our topic today is moral persuasion. That was a clip from the great quentin tarantino movie inglorious bastards which i just saw again recently it's just awesome it's it might be you could make an argument that it's his best movie i ooh yeah actually full disclosure i got really
2: pissy at tamler because i wanted to play the 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 pulp fiction (laughs) the pulp fiction clip about eating swine and uh he was telling me that we had used it already and I was like, You're full of shit and I was I was being crappy. He's, so, like, <laughs> he's like if you don't if you don't
0: if you don't want to play the clip, just say it, but don't just like make it, up dude, don't I make know. up the So then it turned out. <laughs> Turn, yeah. Now I know Turn, how I, now fun, I know how Jesus temp. felt. I, 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 I do. Like this is how Jesus felt crucified, <laughs> for crucified. other people's sins. I mean, yeah. for
2: the record, it's usually Tamler. Who's the crabby bitchy one? So <laughs> I'm usually a stalwart of good character. I just, I just wanted to play pulp. Fiction. So the reason I thought of that is because I, you know, I can't. I don't know that I can put anyone above pulp fiction, but that's definitely like up there in Glorious Bastards. But I, I can see why, as a as a Semitic person, you would like it.
0: Um, but one thing that you know the clip brings up is this issue of, you know, there was no. He he was saying there's no reason we can give for why it's okay. To exterminate the Jews, but it's just this thing. It's this. They're like rats, he says. Which uh, Jews were compared to rats a lot, and I think one of the reasons is rats are a great example of of something that there's no real reason why we hate right. rats more than we hate squirrels or other kinds of rodents. It's right. We just do.
2: It's just arbitrary, completely arbitrary, and there's a, some there's some there's something. <sighs> It's weird to say this, but there's something refreshing about him just admitting it. Just like, yeah. look, like, it's just arbitrary. We know. I mean, we just don't like – it actually reminds me of – there's this great article. I think if I can find it, I'll link to it <clears throat> by a former uh, researcher who uh, who worked on rats. And he writes about – he just got interested in ethics and in the ethics of, of uh, studying rats. And he actually stopped do, being a, a rat researcher. I don't know what he studied, like memory or something. Uh, but here's what he pointed out. He said, Look, when you use animals in your research, there are a ton of ethical guidelines, like how you're, like what temperature the room has to be, how much you can feed them, and especially when it comes to killing them. Like you're only, you know, you, if you have to sacrifice the, the animals, then you have to do it using these approved methods. So there's all these rules. So he had a lab. And he had a bunch of rats, so they were really gnarly about all of these rules. Well, there were also rats in the building. Right? They're just rats that live in the building, <laughs> right? So, so those rats, you could step on them, you could light them on fire. Like no one would give, no one would give a literally like
0: a rat's, a, a rat's ass.
2: ass, right? Yeah. So, and so here's the interesting part. He said every once in a while, a rat would escape from their lab, and then it would become a building rat. At that point, you can kill it however you want.
0: All bets are off. <laughs>
2: All bets are off. So this is like something about just the complete arbitrary nature is actually a nice microcosm, I think, for so many of our moral beliefs. When we were ta- so I'll, I'll link to that if I can. Find. But when we were talking about this, this stages of stages of utilitarianism, <laughs> stages of Singer. Um one of the things that that I think is the most fascinating is you could have this view that reason is never involved, but it would be weird to say that these students aren't actively reasoning. It's just that they're reasoning in a very sort of directed – in a very directed, motivated way. And I think this is some of the most fascinating work in, in social psychology, which is like – uh, so you don't have to just say that people are completely dumb. People actually do use reasons. So our students are using all kinds of reasons. They just aren't good reasons always. But they're always reasons that are that seem to be completely motivated to find the answer that they want. And that's – I mean we, that,
0: that's a height. John Height who's sort of on the other side of – the debate in terms of the effectiveness of reason. He agrees that people reason. He just thinks it's after the fact towards a conclusion that you've already reached.
2: Right. He says that when they do, it's post hoc, right?
0: So is that your view? I thought your view was a little more optimistic, not just no, that reasoning is, is...
2: It is, but I do like... I used to be more optimistic. But um, I just wanted to point to this great research in social psychology because I think it, it, it shows how we do this. Like, uh, so my, one of my former postdoc advisors, uh, Pete, Pete Ditto, has these great studies where he um, – I can't believe he got away with this, but it shows motivated reasoning in, in a very nice, uh, simple demonstration. So, <clears throat> so he brings people into the lab and he says, hey, there's this disease going around, but there's, luckily there's a very, very simple test for it. You put this strip of paper into your mouth – and then you dip it in this solution. And what he tells people is half of the people here that if it turns from like white to green or something, then that means that you uh, don't have the disease. And some people, he says, if it doesn't turn, that means you don't have the disease. So, so okay. So, he gets – so, you're a, a student. You come in and it says, imagine that to be healthy, the paper has to not turn colors. So, you okay. put it in your mouth. And you dip it in a solution, and it doesn't turn. Right. right? So they dip it once. He mm-hmm. videotapes all this. They dip it once, and they're like, sweet, didn't turn. Yeah. But if it has to turn color to be healthy, you see them dip it, then look. And they dip it again. They look again. <laughs> they keep dipping it. They keep dipping it. <laughs> they don't want to know that they're not healthy, so they'll keep dipping it. Just like, oh, maybe it's not
0: working right. Like, they'll keep going. Oh, on, right. On. But they – so all they need is one bit All they need evidence. is one dip. The- yeah, right. Is right. But see. if it's
2: true that it's like unreliable, then they should be dipping it multiple times to know right. to be sure that they're healthy, right? And this is Okay, a, so what's the how so does Tom that connect Gilovich to our, call, Yeah. Yeah, so Tom Gilovich calls the process uh, of motivated reasoning when when you can believe something, when you want to believe something and you're presented with evidence for it, um you're under this this mode of thinking that he calls the can I believe it, right? So so any piece of evidence that is supportive, you, oh, you just encode that one, you use it, you store it. Perfect. Uh, all I needed was one reason. But when you're presented with evidence against your belief, like the cherished belief, oh. you're under what he calls a must I believe it. And when you're under this must I believe it, then you come up, then you think really hard. You're like the people dipping the, the, the little paper over and over again. You're working oh, hard yeah. to like, right? And that's what you find with these moral arguments where when you, when people are, pro capital punishment. They give you all these reasons, right? Like, oh, it's deterrent, but you take one of those away and then they argue something else, and you realize that they're not they're not using reason in the way that we think that reason should be used. I, I don't know if this is an apocryphal quote, but it's I think it's attributed to Martin Luther that reason is a whore which serves any master, right? Like yeah. <laughs> like some people just use reason as a way and then when you take away all their reasons, they'll say right. like fuck it. I, I just like I don't want to believe it like that's just right. that's And
0: just that's it. the classic world done funding case of mm. uh, Okay again more pessimism <laughs> the more pessimism uh, well, let's at least if you're not on this side anymore let's try to No I am sketch- I'm not
2: arguing I'm not arguing for – I'm not arguing for that being it. I'm just saying – like I'm just pointing to the research that at least points yeah. – sheds light on how so, people do it right so I'm, this is I why
0: people – you could be despairing you know, listening to all these studies and so the idea is that if you have a cherished moral belief – you will accept the first mildly plausible reason in its favor as evidence that it's true, whereas you're going to ask for about 18 different other reasons to prove that it's false. And then even if you get all of those, you still might probably just stay dumb about it. There are it, some things like, that are just true. <laughs> <"There's some> th- <laughs> yeah, it's self-evident. <laughs> yeah. these truths yeah. we find to be so that's what our founding fathers right that's, that's what right. they uh, uh right. at some point truths just have to be self-evident or you can't justify them yeah so so here's where we get to like okay maybe
2: maybe he- i used to be much more opposed to height's view in this particular this particular view which which is that reason doesn't ever really convince people that much and now i'm just only mildly opposed to it because i actually think that there are many cases um in which uh, in which reason can work, but what one of the things that I think that height doesn't point out to too much is when something happens because of an emotion, and you start thinking because of that emotional appeal. So, so you were talking about seeing those videos in which the animals are mistreated. Yeah. Now, if you just got convinced because of that, then height might say, "Well, that's just a dumb like that's just." like that's weird because you've been eating meat your whole life and it's not like you didn't know that these animals suffered, but now you have this like intense emotional experience and that's why you change your mind. That might seem like a dumb process, but I don't think that's a dumb process. I think that that actually starts you thinking, right? I think that that's the beginning of the reasoning process. And then you sort of like, are like, man, I need to confront this. I need to actually, do I really believe that I should let African children starve even though and get the NFL package? And if not, you know, like what should I do about it? And so so, and, so i think that's how a lot of people change their moral view it might be some sort of emotional or social reaction and then that forces you to start thinking about it right right
0: a lot of people point out you know cuz pigs are very intelligent animals and also the animals we treat the worst in factory farms pigs i think it can help people to point out that pigs are smart as smart or smarter and just as sort of emotional as dogs and right. everybody loves dogs, and people think it's the height of barbarism that the Chinese eat the dogs, and I agree. <laughs> right. <But> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> but,
2: what makes me – so you're not being as hypocritical as most people, but like when the Michael Vick thing happened and people were so outraged – I was like – I mean most of these people have no problem eating pigs and, and cows and,
0: and I don't think they have a moral reason like other than that, well, we keep yeah. p- dogs for pets. Like, I think that it's probably a rare phenomenon but I think these things do – like you say, just start the ball rolling. Yeah. And then once the ball starts rolling, you're open to more sort of emotional appeals. I think that the point that I kind of agree with uh,
2: on height is that – You you can't – like a treatise won't work. So you actually uh, sent along this this paper on uh, why abortion is is wrong, why abortion is immoral. By
0: Don Marquis. Yeah, we'll link to this. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we'll link to this, which is a nicely written argument. Um, he's. It's not preachy. It's not like a. It's not like pro-life propaganda. It's actually a very well-written and well-argued philosophical paper. There's a. There's, actually, the literature on abortion is really interesting in philosophy. Like I read it, and at the end, I was kind of convinced that that at least that there is something that I should pay more attention to. But will it have any effect on? I don't think. I
0: think I'll just forget about it. Like, <laughs> it's a really, really interesting case, the abortion, because you know, like you said, there's some great literature on abortion and philosophy, and I, I let off my mediocre TEDx talk with this example. But I do this in my class, right? I, uh, before I teach, I teach that paper and the Judith Jar- Jarvis Thompson paper, you know, the, viol- the famous violinist paper, yeah. um, and I say, uh, you don't have to tell me what you believe about abortion, but how many of you have very strong ap- beliefs one way or the other about whether abortion is wrong? And you know, you get like 70, 75, 80 percent of the class uh, raising their hands. Okay, then we read these two famous papers on abortion, and I actually think of the two, the Don Marquis paper makes a more compelling case for, for pro-life than Jarvis Thompson does for being uh, pro-choice. But then I, I, we, we read these two papers, and then I ask at the, at, uh, afterwards, how many of you have changed your mind just a little bit about abortion? You know, like you're—you you're, don't have to have completely gone from one side to the other, but maybe you're a little your your opinion about it has changed in some way. Two people raise their hand, and <laughs> right, man, when, I, when I when I ask, bad. <laughs> them, I know. Even worse, when I ask them what way it's that it's changed, it's that they're more certain about the belief that they already had. Uh, right, right, right. So yeah, all
2: they took. They they find the one that's in their favor very compelling.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, this is why so so you agree with Height to the extent that a philosophy paper is not Can it yeah. do the little start the avalanche going at the top with a pebble or something I, like that? Or I does it not I, do anything?
2: I think that it's just it's just uh the sort of thing that can only start the ball rolling for people who who like reading philosophy papers and who take that sort of thing serious. I think it's like a much more inefficient method and that's what one of the things that but I what
0: about a more informal? You know, I agree, like in a paper in a journal or something like that with these thought experiments that's not you know, that people are gonna tune out. But what about just, you know, an opinion piece in a paper?
2: I yeah, I think that this is where I I I think that I used to be much more optimistic because I assumed that most people were open to, to even having these kinds of discussions. So there is an interesting phenomenon in like the the, the literature that I was talking about on motivated reasoning seems Inconsistent with some of this literature on uh, what used to be called selective avoidance, which is uh, suppose that you smoke cigarettes, uh, you you tend to avoid all anti-smoking material, right? It turns out that here's what happens: you will avoid things that disagree with you quite a bit until you're forced to see them, and when you're forced to see them, then you start arguing, you start very like finding all of the recruiting all of those reasons to argue, and I think that most people actually live their lives by like they if if there's like an op-ed a piece on why abortion is is wrong most liberals probably don't even take the time to read it right so i think that that it's just a rare set of people who will go out of their way
0: to like process uh
2: conflicting information
0: and, you know the the abortion case is an i think an especially good example of that right yeah. i mean not only do you not go out of your i mean People just aren't going to change their mind
2: about no, it. No, it's just never going to change their mind. <laughs> I know.
0: I mean, you know, I, I think the Don Marquis article, so let's the very say, least, yeah, you want to just give the argument yes, that he gives?
2: Yeah, yeah, just, uh, just quickly. I mean, he builds the argument essentially on the fact that you're removing somebody's uh, future life, right? So – so he builds a- well.
0: It, the, the art, he starts out just establishing why killing in general is wrong, right? And he and he hones to a very plausible principle that would explain why killing in general is wrong is that it robs somebody of a valuable future. There are other right. things like you know uh, people care about that person that you're killing probably, but he says the main reason is you're robbing them of a valuable future, living their life,
2: right. And and by the way, he you know he goes out of his way to say like, look, I'm not talking about cases like difficult cases where where a mother's life is in jeopardy or something like that. Like, ignore those. Let's just take a straightforward like, I don't want this baby. I could afford to have it. It would have a good life if I did have it. All that all that stuff, um, which happens all that, the time. That happens all exactly. the time. Probably yeah. most probably most abortions. Yeah. Um, and and so so he he applies this principle on you know why we don't kill and says there's no reason to think that this principle ought not apply to to uh, unborn children, and so so you know it, it's I, I think that it's a it's a compelling argument and it's weird because at after I read that I I, I thought it was a very well written article and very well argued and it did nothing to change it does my nothing. About it.
1: <laughs> <I know. laughs>
0: And so you know you how do. Can I both students think that it's do a well argued. The, sorry, yeah, no. Ahead. I was like, yeah. how
2: can I both think that it's well? Uh, how can I both think that it's well argued and yet not be moved? <laughs>
0: and you know not only not be moved but probably just as outraged you know when texas passes <laughs> passes a law that that are going to make abortions rarer in the state of texas than they otherwise would be and it's considered completely just outrageous and it's all, it's like but wait a minute i just read this thing that <laughs> right. kind of convinced me at least in theory that abortion might actually be wrong <laughs> So so still pessimism Let me yeah. at least try to return you to your Earlier self and also I think Something <laughs> okay. that Paul Bloom Has defended and still Defends which is that Reason actually is a Very important part of the moral Decision making process You know he, he talks a lot about Discoveries of reason And one of the discoveries that you guys talk About well it's actually your paper Is uh, an impartiality principle That people just as you don't want to be treated poorly. Other people don't want to be treated poorly, and so you shouldn't treat them that way. And explain what you mean. Explain the view that this is something, first of all, that's a discovery of reason.
2: Yeah, I think that that it's it's a, just a big human achievement to like reach that ethical principle. I mean, I, through I, probably throughout most of the history of our species, we had no problem drawing these these boundaries, and even those early formulations of the golden rule probably meant like what I mean here is other Jews, or what I mean here yeah, is like, absolutely, you know, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and so but now. Through some force of sort of just social contact and realizing that all human beings like have in you know desires and wishes and hopes and dreams, it's very very hard to not extend the principle of impartiality. And that is a huge. I'm in total agreement with Paul that that's a huge insight that affects the way we think about about uh, about just all of these ethical principles that they that we should we just we, there's we just shouldn't treat people people. As if they're, you know, uh, it's, we shouldn't weight people we like more than people we don't like, In at least in these broad ethical considerations.
0: But I, so just, I think. Just to press you, know, you a little bit on it being a discovery of reason, why is it a yeah. discovery of reason? You also this is h- what
2: I mean. Yeah, I mean, here is where, like, actually, it's a good that's a good question. I mean, not reason in ter- in like sort of logic in the way that that we might be convinced by a cogent argument, but it's at least cognition. It's this like it's this it's a it's a realization that um, that other people that that. My perspective isn't favored uh, by these ethical principles, and I think that it's at least – it's a it's a cognitive process. It's like a category process, that other people belong in the same category as me, that if I were that person, it's like – it's this perspective taking. I don't think it's reasoning like working
0: hard through logic, but rather just – I mean it's an interesting question, right? Because so, you could certainly have the view that, yes, I get that – other people don't like to be treated poorly just as I don't like to be treated poorly. But why does that mean I don't have to treat them poorly? I, or I shouldn't treat them poorly. Right. The, yeah. And maybe you need
2: that combined, combined with some sort of motivation. Right. And this is maybe where, where I think empathy does play a role that it's like, it's true. Like a psychopath, there are these great quotes from these like young psychopath killers who, who are just like, well, I, but I'm not her. Like, why did you kill that woman? Well, why would I care? I'm not her.
1: Like, right. It's
2: just she's not me. There is this like disjoint where like they could probably appreciate at some level that all human beings have wishes and desires and, and, and hopes and dreams. But it's not me. Like, why would I why would her well, perspective?
0: It's that extra step of I then knowing that knowing those facts, I then care how yeah. she feels and how uh, about how she's being treated And that's the step that it seems like you need some level of empathy to have. But that doesn't mean, you know, just because an emotion might be necessary for the discovery, it doesn't mean that it's not ultimately a discovery of reason, especially in the ways of, you know, expanding the circle beyond. Those and I think Singer has done. He's been a freaking genius about expanding. You know, with this new project, the life you can save about expanding the moral circle, your circle of care. Because as you guys talk about in this chapter. The circle where that circle ends is crucially important in terms of defining your moral worldview. And he's done right. a, gr- you know, even though he hasn't been as successful as he would like, it's he's done an amazing job just getting people through the use of modern technology and his just force of will into getting people right. to expand their moral circle beyond where they would normally do it. So pa- Paul
2: Bloom's argument and mine, the, the part that that I agree with him, it does depend on on this view that there is moral progress, that that actually like, we are approaching something like moral truth that we didn't have before.
0: Let me ask you, speaking of that issue, you guys quote David Hume, and it's a very fa- famous quote, saying that it's not contrary to reason for me to prefer – the destruction of the whole world to um, an itch on my on my finger. In other words, that yeah. you can't reason somebody out. The, the person's making no logical mistake if they would rather that the whole world was destroyed than that they that their finger itches a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, how does yeah. that figure into? I take it the, that
2: he's saying the scratching of my little finger, which means what? like a little cut, right? Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, but but I, but I think the argument would work for an itch on your finger too. It doesn't have to <laughs> <Yeah>. be. <laughs> uh, his point would still be the same: is that reason can't talk you out of it by itself, right? But if that's yeah. true, yeah, yeah, yeah. then in what sense is anything a discovery of reason? Is, are any of these moral truths that can? What sense is? Are they? Reason-driven rather than emotion-driven. Yeah, I, I mean
2: that's. Yeah, I think that we. So we, as as psychologists or maybe as whatever, like when we talk about like no, no, reason does play an important role in our moral judgment. The thing that we're tacitly that we're tacitly assuming and communicating is that. Reason is important for morality because reason will give you a firm base to uncover moral truth because or else why would you care, right? Uh, Honestly, it should make no difference whether it's emotion or reason that's guiding moral judgment if I actually don't think that reason is more reliable at getting at moral truth. But yeah, so I think that at some fundamental level – reason there needs to be that that motivating force of caring for other human beings that that won't get off the ground without some sort of sentiment like like empathy. Like psychopaths can be purely rational agents and they can never you know, I don't think that they that Kantian metaphysics will get them to to care about somebody else. I just don't you know. But that that's a real, real fundamental role of emotion that I think that though that reason then
0: has to flesh out what what's good and what's bad. All right, you want to take a quick break, and then we'll talk about some ways for a reason to do that?
1: We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter
0: with me now because I've been to the mountaintop.
1: I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life, longevity, has its place,
0: but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do
1: God's will, and He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not.
2: Welcome back to Very Bad Wizards. Uh, in our last segment, I, I realized that I never asked Tamler if, if there's anything that he had been convinced of um, in in the moral domain.
0: Honestly, if there's a th- if there's something, I mean, so I didn't really have much of an opinion on drones until I read this that that we've talked about this in the podcast before, the Connor F- uh, Friedersdorf uh, Atlantic piece on them, and again, just explaining. What it's like, you know, like what it's like to live in a city where there are drones flying overhead constantly. It's a very effective piece of rhetoric in that it gets me to put myself in their position, right. uh, which I think we do not nearly enough, especially with these these wars that we're having or not even wars exactly, but these I don't know what it is that we're doing, but we're not at war with Pakistan, and yet we have drones over Pakistan. We're not at right. war with Yemen, but we have drones over Yemen. So that was that was one. I think the biggest one, though, has been the animals one, and it was this James Rachel's book that right. convinced me. Um, and, and, you know, again, a lot of it was just describing what actually goes on it was not an argument he has an argument it's like you know moral some sort of moral equivalence principle or something like that but that was just like forget about that holy fucking shit this is what they're doing in labs this is what they're doing on farms that's just unacceptable
2: yeah and this is i think that there's your point about that I actually are like struggle against sometimes, which is the the formal that your disdain for formal philosophical argument at at the very least that you're right about. It's just not gonna that. If the goal is to convince people of truths, that it's just not going to work. And that's why in the chapter we point to, like, I think that, that the arts are really the place where you see moral persuasion occur. And there is something about seeing a movie or right. a documentary or reading a vivid description of what goes on. That that sort of shit does way more to, like, actually get people thinking.
0: What's no, an example? Know. So you you gave kind of a joke answer, right, when I asked you the question? <laughs> what masturbation. <laughs> Oh yeah, about masturbation.
2: Uh, yeah. It was after watching many films of masturbation and really understanding the perspective of of the <laughs> masturbator.
0: <laughs> you put you were able to put yourself in the shoes of the masturbator. You know,
2: to be honest, to be honest, there's still so much more research that I need to do. <laughs>
0: But is there, you know, but, but can a but, philosophical argument exploit that? I mean, I think to some extent it can, right? It, I think it, that it,
2: they it, just don't do a good job of doing it, usually, right? Like the, right. the Judith Jarves Thompson, so you, you alluded to the, the uh, paper on abortion and the violinist. Like most modern philosophy, I think, in a, in a weird way, I'm agreeing with you now because, like, if the goal is to, to actually morally persuade, most of these papers are like, they're clever.
0: And, and you know and like mid- even the Don Marquis paper right maybe it would be better if he you know described the life of you know your, an ordinary child who's aborted you know yeah. and what it could have been I'm not sure it w- that would be that effective but it at least right. be more it would evoke something that you could connect to other than just holy shit that seems like a sound argument where does it go wrong because right. obviously so, it's wrong. So, but yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that philosophers would view it as a cheap trick, right? I mean philosophers would be like, don't don't come in here with your like vivid depictions of suffering. Like yeah, you're trying we know cheat. that already, right? You're trying to cheat. So I, I think that the role of these philosophical papers might just be to exploit more like the motivated reasoning angle where where look, I, I give you – I show you images of, of animals being like tortured and then I give you the singer – uh, argument. And right. then people can be like, oh, look, see this. Now I have not only do I have the gut feeling that this is wrong, but I also have like some sort of reasonable principle to stand
0: on. But I think you're right. They can work. They can go hand in hand. Right. You need both.
2: You do, because then if not, the danger is that that emotions are are like, to be honest, slightly more fickle. And you can as as our eat the poopoo Poo clip showed, like you can actually get people to feel things uh, about a whole variety of actions that may or may not be reasonable to feel so you can convince people that that gay sex is like horribly immoral and damaging to society just because they're grossed out at seeing at seeing two men having sex and so you need that second part like that the well, they're not just the having sex
0: <laughs> they the, 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 they eat the shit they pour it <laughs> out <laughs> Stop. L- like ice cream <laughs> <laughs> And they have
2: to take drugs. But they like it (laughs) I think we're going to have to link to that For the third time
0: (laughs) I don't think you can have enough Eat the poop. (laughs)
2: oh man we like I said we laugh to keep from crying <laughs> but so <laughs> so there is this I think that like it's a wrong view of human nature to think that we can just like you know give give some sort of cogent uh, uh, reasons and expect that people are going to be changed like we need it's sort of like what you were saying and this is a ho- horrible episode because we've been agreeing with each other so, so much yeah um, we have
0: we've <laughs> been trying but, to like artificially disagree I know. <laughs> well you hard. talk about creativity maybe that's what yeah. we should end with right you talk about yeah. Creativity with moral reasoning is a way that people do get change their own minds and can sometimes change other minds, right? right? Yeah, there is just this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe as a community,
2: of philosophy and psychology, we undervalue that that aspect of it. But just as society in general, like, I think that there is nothing like the work of an artist to like tr- convince me about things. Like, I mean, it can make me care about like a little town in Mexico that I've never heard of. Like I'll just have these deep feelings for it. Right. Like I don't, I I think that, that the work of an artist and it's something that I just would never think of doing. I don't, I, you know, maybe that's one reason I, I value the arts in that sense. Like I, I just came back from a trip to Europe and you know, I'm going to these museums and like the art of somebody a thousand years ago can touch me. You know, I think that that's just a to be realistic about human psychology. It's not that pessimistic to think that emotions are playing a large role um and it's but I think it is stupid to think that emotions are a dumb route to moral persuasion. Uh, so
0: there. I, so in other words, you're talking about, in the best sense, exploiting the emotions. Exactly. Exactly. And, in and order I don't think it's- to reason more effectively, or at least reason towards uh, a moral judgment that you we think is true.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it and and I think that it's it's wrong for us to think of it as a cheap trick. I mean, maybe it shouldn't play a role in our journal articles, but like if it if we can't just accept that like why the hell would I care about any of these arguments if I don't have some sort of motivation to begin with? And this I think helps us deal with the problem of like weakness of the will of being convinced of a moral position without actually having having the motivation to do anything about it. If we watched a few more of those films about about animals being tortured, I may stop wearing leather, right? That's the energy that that can fuel moral action, right? I think that the link from emotion to behavior is much stronger than the link from from just like the reason.
0: accepting the, the reason, right? So wait, now you said maybe we shouldn't be doing this in journal articles. Why the fuck not? Why shouldn't I, I we mean, be doing it in journal articles? I mean if, if the goal is to, when you're presenting a moral argument not to just show off your philosophical chops but to actually have the person find your conclusion compelling, it seems like not only is it not cheating, it might be just like a big part of the game.
2: Yeah, it's true. I think that maybe I'm I'm too focused right now on the abortion argument, where where we feel exploited by like these these appeals to emotion, like pictures of of, of aborted fetuses. But but in many cases, maybe, maybe is that maybe even it's an okay.
0: exploitation? There is a fetus <laughs> that is being like you know right. yeah, that yeah. does that that is happening. Why shouldn't yeah. we have a picture and know that it's happening? Now it's one thing when you blow it up. And you know, make it seem like it's like six feet tall when it's actually you know a few millimeters tall, or you know. But later on, but you know, for the late for debates over late term abortions or mid term abortions, when the baby, when the, the when the fetus is a little bigger, why shouldn't we have? Why shouldn't we actually know what it is that we're aborting?
2: Right, and I, I think that maybe maybe it's just this like deep fear that that uh, emotional appeals will just lead us astray. But if if you go out of your way to use the the emotional appeal and pair it with with something reason i mean i think the fear is that we're gonna get you know get to the eat the poo stage right where we're just we're just got or the we're just giving you Jews gut, a rat stage juice a rat stage right like where you're just like no look look here's a picture of a Jew you agree with
0: like, that look <laughs> well i like
2: rats so <laughs> i also don't <laughs> think we should
0: kill rats but um, I mean, the, it, it, there's two different kinds of appeals to emotion. One is to just present the facts as they are, so that they can a person can vividly appreciate them, like with showing pictures or videos in factory farms. That's why those motherfuckers in Congress who are trying to pass a law making it like a felony to tape what's going oh, on, no. and if, oh. I, like those are some of the worst people in the world. Uh, so there's the you know. Jews, as much as you hate them, aren't actually rats, right? So you can exploit it, but it's not exploitative. And I think this is true with – if you present like a life-size picture of a fetus, I don't see that how that's exploiting. That's just presenting the facts so that you can appreciate them and not think of it in a very abstract statistical way. I guess so, yeah.
2: I mean I guess – I don't know. Maybe it's just this – maybe it's my just skepticism about like you feel – I don't want to feel like a sucker, like that I've been fooled too many times, you know, by yeah. by by these appeals to emotion. But I think that the burden is on you to pair it then with the appropriate sort of of reason principles. But I'm okay. I'm I'm sort of okay with a division of labor. Like keep keep my emotions in the movies and in the in in the and in the paintings and in the novels, and then and then give me cogent arguments in the philosophical journals.
0: Yeah, like, I'm not like I I think that's what I, I'm not at all because. Uh, you know, especially s- since I love literature and I love film, I'd like to see. And uh, you know, it's not like there's nobody in philosophy that 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 does this. I think Martha Nussbaum is actually really. Effective. I was about to uh, say, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, she has that and,
2: wonderful yeah. Otto Dix uh, cover uh, of of a uh, naked woman um, on the on the on the cover of her hiding from humanity.
0: This relates to the one thing that you were persuaded about. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, uh, let's wrap up there. But I, you know, this is an interesting thing to pursue because it's, you know, it's an interesting question whether this is something that philosophy should be doing more of. And you're absolutely right in your diagnosis that it's viewed as cheating in a way that I, I, I don't find any good. F- even What's philosophical putting grounding?
2: Picture, what, putting pictures of like hot chicks in bikinis on the cover of ethics? Like,
0: <laughs> no, is <but> that? <laughs> Like I said, there's there's just fake appeals to emotion or other you know, uh, right, or like, right, right and then there's uh, and then there's just making the reality vivid and so maybe period- making the reality vivid is something that philosophy has a, not just a right to do but an obligation to do.
2: Yeah. I but like I guess my fear is like not not to beat a dead horse, but why isn't it why can't the guy who is vehemently arguing against homosexuality show you a picture of like sexual acts and say, I'm making the reality vivid. Yeah,
0: but I mean, look, we've all seen uh, <laughs> like my beautiful even- Andrette, you know, men kissing or broke back mountain, which I haven't <laughs> seen actually. But we're if if we're just presented with it as it really is you're right. I mean, I guess if they really showed the sex act, you'd be yeah. And that's the thing is
2: they can. You know, they can, and they can actually get people pissed off, right? So I think there's a healthy skepticism here. And,
0: and uh, yeah, it's a it's a dangerous weapon, but right. appeals to emotion don't kill kids. <laughs> kids, kids kill kids. Kids with guns kill kids. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I'm
2: more information about this episode, including show notes and links, and to listen to other episodes, please visit us at www.verybadwizards.com Who are you? Who are you? I'm a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Good man. They think
1: they boss, and with no more brains than you have. Anybody can have a brain. You're a very bad man. I'm a very good man. Just a very bad wizard.